Funding for Start the Beat is provided in part by our supporters on Patreon. Thank you. Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. My name is Sykes and this is my podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out the last episode. If you're one of those people, I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Thanks so much for coming back. But for everyone out there who's new to the show, welcome. Feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer, soda, or canned water in the fridge. Cheers, my friend. How you doing today? I'm good. I'm jealous of canned water. I just have regular old bottled water. Hey. hey. And it's not a real bottle either. It's none of this. It's, well, it's a real bottle, but it's not plastic. Okay. That's okay. It's water. We're nourishing ourselves. We're taking care of ourselves on a weeknight, which is a good thing to do. I don't I know do. you very well. I've never met you at all. You may be the yeah, type of yeah, you may be you may be the type of individual that takes care of themselves all the time. I don't know. We'll learn more about it very shortly. But for everyone out there that is not familiar with my guest, please make some noise for the one and only Feral Cat. <laughs> the people of the internet are happy that you're here. I'm even happier that you're here. I really appreciate you reaching out to me to come on the show and promote this dope, dope, dope new song that you got. It is really, really good. We have a lot to talk about because you already said it before I said it. You're weird. I'm weird. I want to get weird. Why are you so weird? First question. Um, I was born this way. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. So for- I, sure, man, like everything there's every, there's literally everything in the world to blame for why I'm weird. That's the best possible answer for anyone that is not familiar with you or what feral cat is who feral cat is. Why don't you give a quick rundown of the magic that you're putting out into the ether? So I play saxophone. I make saxophone go, and then I put chuggy guitars underneath it, and they go chug, 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 and that creates a different sound than most people are used to. Uh, I think it's closer to prog rock. People think, and it has been described as jazz fusion. It's somewhere in there. It's a little bit of everything, but I make music that is meant more for an arena than a jazz club. And that's how I play the saxophone. I also play jazz clubs, though. So you could also catch me playing jazz. Fair enough. So the one thing that I think is really interesting about your music off the top is that it's very apparent to me that you and the people that surround you, the people that you've chosen to you know, mm-hmm. c- play this music with you, you all know like what the fuck you're doing. But with you in particular, what I want to know is what came first, the interest of saxophone in jazz or the interest in chugga chugga? Um, they came at the same time. Okay. How'd that well, happen? I mean, I played saxophone since I was in sixth grade, but I didn't get really deep into it until I guess like high school or something like that, or like earlier, maybe, maybe late middle school, like eighth grade or something. And by that point in time, I had friends who were showing me like in sixth grade, I'd only listened to like Eminem. And then by seventh and eighth grade, I was shown by my friends, like My Chemical Romance, Fall Out Boy. And that led into a deeper dive. And eventually I'm at Bring Me the Horizon, um, Lexus on Fire, Sleeping with Sirens. And I never really like went, I like that's not true hardcore, I guess it's like post hardcore. And sure. it was like an era of the, of the late aughts, but that got me into the chugga chugga for sure. Yeah, that totally makes sense with, I think that was a trajectory that a lot of people went on uh that was you know the popular rock music of the time and if like the people that you're in school with and hanging out are all absorbing that stuff you're going to be into it it's just a natural thing but you also had the saxophone thing going on so like i played in jazz band since i was in like early middle school and throughout high school and then even when i went to college so so when you know fast forwarding to now when did you first get the idea to kind of start blending these worlds 
together. Because if I were to make an assumption, I'm going to assume why you did what you did. And you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. Sure. I think that the reason why all of this happened is because maybe, maybe, maybe you started getting into, you know, writing and composing your own music and you're doing this jazz thing, but maybe it's not enough. There's like this extra itch that needs to be scratched. You can't figure out what it is. And then one day you get this wild idea to be like, let's put a chugga chugga in there. And then all of a sudden you're feeling something that you've never felt before. Um, there's a piece of that that <laughs> works. <laughs> okay. Well, tell me what it is. Tell me. Um, uh, that there was sort of a spark at some point whenever I was writing music that like, well, I I think it more started because I was writing music in what was then a jazz fusion group uh, called the East End Mile. We were playing in, we were just like playing around town. I want to say like 2015 to like 2017 or something like that here in Pittsburgh. And we were playing with mostly rock bands just because the drummer was, kind of like that was like his vein and this is where we got gigs we got to play at like just different small venues around the city and at, like it just made sense to make something like from early on it just made sense to make something where like i have to make sense with what i'm playing here or like whatever this music needs is where i need to make sense and then after a while i'm like well what if I try something that makes sense with everything that's in my head instead of just like whatever this particular music needs? Um, and that transition also came from like going and, and I got to play the show uh, at Spirit where I was asked on stage to play with like this emo band called Sorority Noise. And I was a big fan, but really that, like being on stage with that band kind of sparked something because mm -hmm. it was a like it was a sold out show uh upstairs spirit and just actually thrashing while i'm playing and like really getting into what's happening behind me i'm like i want that energy okay like, i want that energy there behind me sure i could definitely see that happening so then you know leading up to this song that you know, you've just released. What was it like, you know, getting this band together and getting everybody on board with this idea that you had? What was it like just like starting to reach out to other musicians and being like, this is what I want to do? You know, did people get it? Were they un unsure of what you were trying to do? Like, because starting a band with like all of these ideas in your head can be a pretty daunting task. Yeah. Um, I was like... For probably a lot of the last few years, I'd been playing in a group or playing with a bunch of the same musicians and the scope of the musicians got bigger. But like I was, I, I play in like wedding bands as well, like as a freelancer, you know, like I, as a saxophone player, get work where I have to be around other really good musicians. So at some point in time, I had people that I'd been playing with for years, but I also had access to people who were like incredible, like Brandon Lehman, who's the guitar, like the lead guitarist um, in in this group. His like I I didn't know him specifically from weddings, but like we got closer because we would both play them, and just recognizing that we have an amount of crossover in our background and. Um, I would always wanted to do something with him. I kind of like, I respected him at a different level because his band uh, Swiss Army is awesome and I really dig them. And getting like, I at first I was just asking like, f I guess freelancers, but like my friends for, for favors. Like when I was getting this recording together, I was like, um, what do you need <laughs> yeah. in order for me to get you to play these parts I wrote? Like, um, and then they would also, because you get into it and at, as of now, like the people that play this music, the band, we're all like friends. We're all, like, even if some of us didn't know each other before, like we all came together and it made a lot of sense for us to come together. Um, but then afterwards, like just the process isn't quite like streamlined at all, but like we met each other through different musical means. And I, I think I thought of people's individual sounds going into it, like what this guitarist sound like, 
yeah. and what this one sounds like and then what this bass player plays with and like that was specifically these guys who were playing in the band trip alan yeah uh, Drew and brandon yeah i mean yeah, i know i know trip and brandon pretty well yeah and like whenever you sent the email um and i saw the promo pick I was like, oh, this makes sense. Like, it's like having the, the I don't know everybody else in the band. Um, mm-hmm. the, um, do you have, uh, is your drummer the same drummer for Sierra Sellers? Absolutely. Okay. So I don't know him personally, but I recognize yeah. him. Um, Sierra Sellers has been on the podcast. Yeah. Brandon's been on the podcast. Yeah. Surprisingly, no, wait, no, Trip has been on the podcast because we did a Fuck Yeah Dinosaurs well, yeah, episode. Yeah, Fuck Yeah Dinosaurs. So, uh, yeah, so, like, it makes a lot of sense because, like, I know all of their, like, diverse backgrounds. So it's really cool to mm-hmm. see that all come together and you have, like, a really cool cool group of people behind you. Yeah, I, it's, and I just admire everyone, like, on a, on a pretty deep level. So it's yeah. just, I'm just lucky to get to do this ever. Yeah, that that's the, the best when you, like, can, it, actually like you know admire and look up to and just have like really inspirational people in your circle environment is like such an important part for like creativity and productivity that i think a lot of artist types tend to overlook they like want to want to wallow in the misery for their art and i'm like man you get some really cool stuff if you actually introduce some positivity into things which is like kind of weird and sometimes counterproductive because i do a lot of like angry dark yelly stuff but it's like it it comes from a an okay place you know so yeah I, i don't necessarily think the the mechanism for getting your work out there is the same as like the process of like feeling it, you mm-hmm. know, with, with your music. So we're instrumental is everything instrumental, Everything's always going to be instrumental. So I'm, I work in a uh, Hannah Montana fashion where <laughs> <laughs> I exist in feral cat. And then I also, um, I, I like make my own like beat types and, um, and also freelance with people. Like I just try and also be that DL sideman that everyone needs me to be. And then this project, like the band band is like, nah, y'all are all watching me. I am at the front. This is my gig. Like, <laughs> totally. Yeah. So there's a, a very conscious decision just to leave it instrumental and let it be more musical mm-hmm. i think it's yeah. cool because it, it takes you on a different journey a roller coaster ride if you will that um a vocalist could maybe do but it would just be a different ride it wouldn't have yeah, the same the like same twists and turns yeah and i think it's cool to be able to you know tell the story without words which you know somebody who is you know a lyricist it's maybe not something that I always like to admit, but I think there is definitely a lot of power in instrumental music. And it is definitely a challenge, as you said, too, because sure. you can't always lean on that like, well, we got like a cool 16 bar loop and then the vocalist will do some stuff. So we're just kind of in the pocket. It's mm-hmm. like, no, you got to like really think about every nook and cranny, which you should be doing anyways if you're writing a song. But it's a lot harder without a vocalist. I don't know. I feel like the level of detail you put into a song isn't necessarily indicative of what the song is. Like, I mean, there are some powerful pieces by Bob Dylan, you know? Sure. Like like the music exists, but is not musically distinct or isn't like this gigantic depth of music versus there's also like Beethoven. You know, I I think the the extremes have to exist. and. Yeah, I I pay this much attention to the detail of like when this goes to this, this goes to this, this goes to this. Well, I really like storytelling. Yeah. And I think that the music can tell as much of a story. It feels honestly, I try and write the music like I I I have a lot of video game influence. So I I tend to write things as if I'm going through like like an open field or something or like I'm going to a final boss or I'm going to like a moment in a game, you know, like or at least that's what I can imagine I can, while that's happening. I could definitely, you know, hear it being very video game inspired. And I think that 
lends to the accessibility of it because it's not as like prog rocky as maybe some people might want to automatically put the label on it i feel like there's a technicality in the performance but there's a level of accessibility where nothing's like really like show offy or super flashy everything's very tasteful and gets from part to part and there's it's digestible which is really cool and i think it can be a really hard thing to do especially when you have a lot of talented people that you know are capable of doing a lot more than what they are like res- like holding back but just knowing when to use the tools instead of using them all the time uh yeah. it's not it's not an easy thing to do especially when you're working in this realm where like you're basically in a non-existent genre where you could do whatever you want but you still have to like wrangle it in enough that it still has like a cohesive feel at the end have you you know with writing songs for this project have you like had to like wrangle yourself like maybe pull yourself back down to earth in some aspects because like you're just getting a little bit too far into outer space with different ideas i think every once in a while um i get to the point where i write like where i do overwrite you know and it comes off as this is doing too much instead of but um i don't i I want to push some limits on this, you know, like where, how far can I actually go? That's the hard thing, right? Like you're, you're walking that fine line of like, you know, uh, selfishness and an actual like, um, progress and like pushing, pushing what you're able to do. And I don't know. I think you, you never really know until you do it. And like, you know, I've definitely put songs out there that I'm like, this is like the wildest shit I've ever done. And I show it to people (laughs) and they're like, what is this i'm like oh man you don't get it you just don't get it I'm like nah maybe i'm just being too selfish no that happens often <laughs> enough <clears throat> like just in general i mean i i'll listen to like uh, recently my brother really got me into like noise music okay um and and there's some playfulness with like distortion and like like squeals inside of the music itself which like comes out from probably listening to noise but like even there i'm like hey y'all you should listen to this noise artist and everyone's like yeah okay dude yeah yeah noise is a weird thing um i have never had a conversation with somebody that could like really articulate why they appreciate noise i feel like most of my experience with people that are into noise music are like like weird punk dudes that like can't be in a band anymore so they just like drop their guitar and plug a microphone into all their pedals which is like totally fine (laughs) it's totally you know but over time i've like come to like find like noise music as like a really aggressive form of asmr <laughs> where nah, it's like something, you, something you can, close to that you can like yeah. zone out and like almost find like a meditative vibe in something if it's done in a way where like they're playing with certain frequencies and like different stereo fields and like really like the nerdy science behind it that some artists get mm-hmm. into that is kind of interesting to me um but then that the, you know it's really easy with noise music to be very selfish you know and like yeah where's the Where's that line? I don't know enough about it outside I, of you that. You keep calling it being selfish and I'm not like, I'm not against that specifically, but like I uh, I don't know. I I see where you're going coming from because I've also been at like art parties where someone shows me something and they're just like really pretentious about it. But like at the end of the day when like to be selfish meaning that like the music would only appeal to you like nah i like the intention is that like someone else should at some point like be interested yeah i think they don't have to be like an early adopter of it but like you know with certain things a lot of people will never be into it like noise like it's literally noise i think where i'm coming from when i like talk about things being selfish it's from this idea of music being a conversation between like you and whoever is there and that could be conveyed through any style of music but it's like if you know when you're going up to perform like what is your purpose do you actually want to make a connection with this audience or do you just want to be like a selfish spectacle you know so i find if you're not trying to make that connection 
that's where the selfishness comes from. And I see that. And in, I see. Yeah. So that's, that's what I mean by that. I, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it feels more like dishonesty, you know, like sure. With yourself and, and with the audience, as opposed to like, if you are going into something with like the heart and soul of you is like, I want depth in this subject, in this field, in this like genre of music, then I think there's like merit to it just because you are at least in this point of discovery, you're like a researcher, you know? Definitely, definitely. And I, I think that like, you know, you can, not, I'm not trying to say that like everything needs to be like deep or like have some sort of meaning you know like i think it's mm -hmm. you know I'm, I'm totally fine with like you know some soundcloud meaningless sort of fun banger of a track like there's a great time and place for those things yeah. and it's like you know but that like there's no it's like it's like there's maybe a selfishness in the reason why i'm like maybe writing this banger about like myself and my life but the idea is to connect with other people like there's no mm -hmm. selfishness behind the art like it's okay to write you know there's like it's a weird no, i i also plot. i very much see where you're coming from yeah like i don't it, yeah, think it's, it's intent yeah it just feels different it's all about intent so with you and starting now to put out you know music this this track that you just put out what was it like for you getting this track out how are people responding to it what's it like <laughs> how are you feeling about it um i've had this song in existence since like this time last year um i got a chance to record a video like i recorded it for a tiny desk submission, but it was like a basement recording and it wasn't quite done to studio quality. And I really liked this song. So I was like, we got to record it for real. <clears throat> and that process was another four months-ish, uh, mostly because of the pandemic, but also just timeline of anything else I would want to do. Um, the reception's been great. Like, you know, as far as his streaming numbers or whatever, I'm less worried about that but also it's not necessary like i there's a part of me that cares and a part of me that's like yeah but you yeah. made this for yourself mm -hmm. um the, or like the selfish part of me i guess sure it's like i made this to have this music exist and not just like have dance parties to it inside my own bedroom yeah you know? the the numbers thing is really weird and it's probably one of the most toxic things to like the creative mind that is mm -hmm. i've seen happen over the course of me ever doing anything creative you know it's just like i understand like oh okay you share somebody like you share a track with like a youtube video right and it's like oh man this thing only has 200 views and it's like when did that stop being a lot like for people that operate at our level, when did the idea of 200 people watching our videos stop being a lot? Like that's kind or of stop a, being of any significance. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's so weird because like you know, and then on the flip, you have people like people that I'm friends with where it'll be like, "Yo, have you seen? Have you heard this band? Check out this song. It has thirty thousand views." I'm like, that has nothing to do with the song, my dude. But yeah. like that's the way like people connect like talent or worth to the numbers that like and that really is uh it, it, it just feels weird. Ears? It, I, I would say it grinds it just wor it bums me yeah. out because it's nothing to do with the quality of the work. And that's fine if like you want to engage with music like that. The thing that bums me out more, and I'm not saying this because like you mean you had mentioned like, oh, like the streaming numbers are whatever and it's like i get that but it's like i guess part of me feels like i'm happy that anybody is engaging with my work at all i don't feel like i'm owed anything and i don't want like you know other creators to get bummed out if they put something out and like you know it only gets like 50 people listen to your song well that's a lot of people you know especially for somebody that nobody really knows i mean maybe somebody on tiktok can dance to your song and get 2 million views, but it's just a different world out there. You got, don't worry about them. Just worry yeah, about it. I, I 
tend not to. Uh, no, I tend not to worry about at least streaming numbers. Mostly just like people to engage with the music and and to hear something that they haven't heard before. Like my favorite stuff is just like the new listener, or you know, or like if it's one or two people who are just like, hey, I hadn't thought about saxophone like that before. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that was my point. Like this is, this is, and if it happens on any scale, then I'm okay. Yeah. You know? And to be honest, I know my track's a banger. Like, (laughs) yeah, no, it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's really, really awesome. But it is like, you know, I, I, I'm very similar to you in the way that I try to put music out as well in terms of just like, I want to create things that like are weird and people haven't really heard before. And like, I'm not really super concerned with something blowing up or anything like that because I'm confident in what I'm doing. I know that what I'm doing is cool. I'm just also very aware that like, this is not for like a mass market. This is going to be a niche demographic of people that are going to get this. If they I listen think that, to it, like actually lessens my anxiety to understand that this is like niche. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, now either work your entire life to find that niche and to develop it and nourish it or keep making work and also figure out how to get it to the people that should be listening. Yeah. That's the hardest thing I think because yeah. people that are into niche sort of styles of music tend to be a little bit pickier with what they engage with online, especially Mm -hmm. from like independent creators that they've never heard of. So it's funny because it's like, I think you would like what I'm doing, but you know, sometimes they're a little bit, I don't want to say snobby, but at least that's been my experience. I feel like the people that would like my music the most are people that I can't connect with online because they don't really go online to digest music. And that makes sense. I've also heard like an opposite argument almost that's like, well, or basically puts the weight on the artist here and our inability to like or distance the the music and the art from like getting it out to people. And like that's a whole different world that people spend entire lives dedicated to and like PR and marketing and yeah. like that, including for like smaller bands and, and unknowns. Like there are people that are out there for that, but that's not like, it's not, it's never on your radar. And it also feels kind of presumptuous to think that someone would be interested period. And like to make like other thoughts come into my head when I start thinking about marketing. Yeah. Like, like how do you do it and be genuine because it's like you know from a business standpoint like i want you to listen to my music mm-hmm. but like i don't want to be the person that's like hey just listen to my music like i want to be everybody's friend but i do not possibly have the time to facilitate fostering you know tens to hundreds to thousands of friendships with people nobody can do that so there's like this sort of like i just need to figure out you know i'm always trying to figure out different ways to promote music that doesn't feel like scummy or like i'm like you know just being very again i'm gonna say this word again selfish like look at me look at me it's all about me but then you know when there are people that i follow on instagram that you know promote their brunch every day harder than i'm promoting my band i gotta realize that like hey maybe there is more that i can do to get more people knowing about this stuff I think because of how saturated, especially during the pandemic and afterwards, being online truly is or being on these social media platforms or or being active as a member of a forum, et cetera, et cetera. Like being in this internet world, it's harder and harder and harder and harder to get your voice heard. And to be defeatist from the get-go is not actually going to be beneficial. Yeah. You know, like to start by like i don't know being like there is a distinction between like being really like bragging and and getting through it and just self-promotion which is one of the hardest things i think i've ever attempted as an artist is like me now on twitter being like yo my song's the shit like (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, I was actually going to ask you about like what your relationship with social media is like now. If you've if you've noticed it changing recently, now that you're starting to like wanting to push more music out there and things like that, um, like how are you feeling about this? Knowing that this is probably going to be a good chunk of your life and time that you spend thinking about these things if you want to continue to release music. <laughs> Um, I hope and pray that I make enough money in my life to get someone else to do it for me. <laughs> for sure. But as of right now, yeah, I understand that I'm going to be sucked in X number of hours a day looking at my phone and looking at, well, technically whatever I am supposed to be curated to, but I don't feel like I really have any autonomy over what I see on my screen. So then that's by design, but at the same time, I now more than before, like I think what I used to use for promotion in earlier bands, just I feel like every other year, the platform I push harder on shifts. 1000%. Uh, like Facebook was a time. Instagram is a time. TikTok and Twitter is a time. Like, um, and having to learn how to navigate in these waters like sometimes like for twitter it took me years like yeah to understand how to do a twitter and i still don't think i'm very good at doing the twitters like i've i always say that having like i when i'm like if i have a day when i'm like posting stuff to like multiple things like oh we just put out a new music video so i gotta make my my different posts right you can't copy and paste the same post across all platforms no. it doesn't work that way and then i find myself feeling like i need to like channel some like multiple personality disorder that i don't have to figure yeah. out because like i am not like a twitter brain right like i i can i can do good with instagram and okay on Facebook. And then once we start getting to Twitter and other platforms, like I am clueless. Like I just don't know how to talk in a genuine way that people want to engage with on these different platforms. Yeah, that is the challenge is really like how to present yourself as someone to engage with. Like, yeah. And I don't like to think of it like that. I would prefer to have these multiple personalities you're talking about here. Like, like I, I guess I compartmentalize my Twitter and my Instagram brain, but I don't like whether or not that should be a skill that's necessary is kind of like, uh, I don't know. It's probably not something any artist wants to know or hear. Yeah. Uh, it, it's weird for me because, you know, I spent so much time just trying to get decent at writing songs and playing and like that's what my focus is in the art like i really don't have an interest in marketing nor have i ever but it's becoming more and more apparent that i need to know these things and yeah, it, for anything to give that job to someone else yeah like or to know what kind of job someone else should be doing for yeah them. exactly it's like the same thing that i say about like people like going into a studio to record i think that it's really beneficial for artists to have some understanding of recording music so they could communicate with engineers and producers accordingly and actually ask for things or know if they're getting hosed you know like if somebody's like oh i can't really like you know sync that delay like that like what are you talking about you're in the wrong editing mode you know like you can call people out on shit i've had it happen so Damn, I think it, i've never had, i've never been able to do that level of time <laughs> like, hey. well i think that um, you know you can um there's a i think have i'm happy to have the knowledge for sure but it it i don't want to be doing it forever yeah i'm not a there are certain jobs or well, certain pieces of knowledge that I feel really good having and eventually, if not immediately paying someone else to do it. Mm -hmm. Like just being able to understand at a cursory level to know that you're not going to swindle. Like you're saying, you're not going to, well, I forgot the exact word you said, boofed. <laughs> I don't remember what I said. <laughs> <laughs> I, I liked it. I, I thought I liked it, <laughs> but I forgot. <laughs> so it's gone bye-bye mm -hmm. but yeah so with you know navigating music in general is a it's a complicated time i think for new artists and bands trying to establish your voice online now we throw a pandemic on top of that and 
you being an artist on having a band that I feel like you need to see what you're doing live. Like people can listen to the songs all day, but I feel like you already said it. Your music is made for an arena, right? So, you know, what was it like, you know, when you were deciding to release this song finally, and maybe not knowing when you're going to be able to actually like perform and do shows and things like that. Would you like, did you think at all about like holding on to the songs? I know a lot of people that have been recording stuff that are just like waiting. They're not releasing anything right now, but you decided to release something. So I'm curious why. Um, I made a sort of conscious change during the pandemic about like what, like fundamentally how I view being an artist and how I want to be an artist. And when you mentioned storytelling, there's a deeper element of that in me. And I want to continue to tell stories through the music. And while a lot of the energy and like finesse of performing this music is lost when it's not live, um, I want there to be legitimate stories to the music. So my goals coming in or coming into this new year have very little to do with performing the music live and more how do I create a like a story that makes sense with this music and basically like I I kind of said not necessarily said screw it to live performance but it's just not going to be as important to me with this music and it's disappointing to think like that, but also I'm writing it out kind of like I want to make as much work as I can in a way that still makes sense over the internet. And then when I have the chance to perform music live or at least this music live at like the right capacity and like, I'm kind of, I want to be picky about how I play this music. Like I don't necessarily want to like just take any gig anyway. Like, I want to set stuff up that makes it like as impactful as it can be. And I, I perform in different avenues. So that's why I don't have like that itch, you know, like as a sideman, I get to play wherever I want, like, or I play with whoever I need to play with either for money or because they're my friends and I believe in their music. But when I play my own music, I want it to be like, this is a day. This is when I show it like at a deeper level. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the with my band uh normal creatures our live setup is like it's a it's a circus you know we have the the timed projections and dmx lights and you know i i was doing costume changes for a while like really over the top stuff because i i I love entertaining and i love giving people a show but like you, you cannot do that in like small clubs and it's, it doesn't make sense. It's like, you know, I'm much like you where it's like, I have purposely made a big show and I would rather play one or two big shows a year in town instead of playing, you know, bar gigs and weekends all the time. It's like, I feel like I've spent a lot of my years doing that stuff. And I think that it's important. And I think there are a lot of bands that thrive in that scene. And it's like, I'd much rather just go to those shows and hang out and watch my friends play. And when I'm doing my thing, it's like, I, I need a big stage. I need a big, and I, I just, it, it just like, like seeing what I do in a small room doesn't sound right. And it makes it not feel right. And it's just not right. It's. I feel like it's incomplete. Yeah, it's in a small room, you know. And it's not to say that I would never do that, but like the right level of intimacy is a show unto itself. Like you know, if I want an intimate performance of this, then that's a different story than the arena performance that I'm imagining with something like the latest single. You mm-hmm. know. Yeah. So I think that it's really cool that you have that mindset and that you're able to have that mindset and that you know you're writing music that allows you to kind of fit inside of this pocket where like you could just focus on storytelling and have these cool songs that people can listen to and it doesn't necessarily need to like there's a deeper meaning behind it other than like i just need to see this live like i don't know i don't know if i have like a good example right now but there's definitely some bands out there that like I would never listen to, but I enjoy seeing them live. It's like a different thing. So, yeah, I think that makes sense. Like there's, oh, uh, well, 
there's bands, yeah, plenty of bands I know. Just I don't listen to them, but I would go see them perform any day. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been really, really, you know, I think helpful for me. Like whenever everything started to shift, I will admit I was definitely a bit of a ding dong and being rather uh, ignorant about how long we were going to be stuck in all of this. And mm-hmm. I was kind of feeling, I don't like, think that's a ding dong thing, man. Like no, well, one re- well, I, I was depends a, on you. I was but. a ding dong because I recorded a couple videos that I shouldn't have. That's why I, I was, see. that's why I was I a see. ding dong, but I, I made up for it. I, I, I definitely did a follow up video being like, Hey, I was wrong, but Hey, you know, I was confused and trying to work through. Basically I was just like, like, I think, you know, back in like, june or july i was like i think that we can i think we could start getting ready to get some shows together and blah 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 and then i was just like hella wrong hella wrong take but (laughs) hey that's fine yeah but you live and you learn i guess yeah yeah i mean like what the i didn't know nobody knew really but no and if you think you knew like then you're uh, like deep web internet and you're already crazy (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's been it's been really interesting to uh, see, you know, my spec the spectrum of people that I interact with on the internet. You know, it's like I have a lot of friends that are interacting way more with art. I've seen like people putting out like drawings and other creative things that I've never seen them do. And I'm like, wow, this is really great. And then there's also a lot of people that are just like getting a little conspiracy theory-ish. And I'm just like, okay, so I have friends that are taking this time and using it for productivity and other people that are using it for toxic consumption. And I guess we're all adults and we could do whatever we want with our time, but yeah, you can't really tell someone to believe there. Yeah. It's been very, very just interesting, but yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. To see the, the sort of like landscape of the internet change to like, there's so many people who are finding themselves with free time that they didn't have before because commutes are gone or um, there are people with less time, of course, but let's focus on the people with just the, with the more time that was developed from having a pandemic. And some of them were like super productive and some of them became really insular and, and honed in on crafts and learned new skills. And then other ones are like, yeah, I'm going to watch like Netflix all day and, like go on Facebook rants and like, that's how I spend my time. And none of that, like, first of all, I feel like none of that actually is their own, like real free will. Um, Not necessarily on a philosophical level, just like these ads and whatever on our phones control us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Like, some people or uh, not necessarily as some people think just we don't all have uh the foresight to be like to understand what's controlling us and whatever we might have control over like i feel like one of the few things i do have any control over is my own make my own creations you know yeah and so getting to dive into that is both a meditation and it's like one of the few things I know and understand as like, as not like in, not like it's an intangible, I can't really, it's sublime in some way, but like I want to be there because I can escape some of the things that I know I don't have any control over. Absolutely. I think that it's really, uh, I'm thankful, I suppose, if anything for (laughs) this marketing and, social media learning that I've done over the past few years where like I understand why things are on my phone and why I'm seeing things. So like, it's a little bit easier for me to be like, Oh, I don't know how this got here, but it shouldn't be here and I'm going to avoid it. But people that maybe aren't promoting things normally or thinking Mm -hmm. about the algorithm and how it works, just like normal, normal folks, right? Like when they get people that are just like, Oh, I can use this program for free. Yeah. And this one too. And this one too. Yeah. And they're getting all this stuff put in their phone. It's like, they don't understand why that information is getting thrown at them. And then worse, they don't have like an artistic escape or anything really to get to, to kind of 
get away from it. You know, it's like that's have, where I truly feel selfish. Yeah, and if not selfish, but just like the immense privilege of having an escape from this world. You know, like not everyone actually has the ability to escape like like I can into music. You know, sure, definitely with. What you are doing musically, it's all great, super cool, good job. Outside of music, Sick, outside dude. of, no, I, it's, I really do like it a lot. Um, I'm, exci- I know, I'm, I, I'm excited. I'm, to, I'm really, really excited to hear more. But outside of music, do you have any other creative sort of endeavors that you do that don't involve, you know, rhythm, chord, and melody? Um, making stuff for rhythm, chord, and melody. No, <laughs> uh, like I in I don't really consider content creation a hobby, but I took up three D like three uh, D art or three D imaging. Cool. Just like using some freeware recently in the pandemic. Um, if I have any hobbies, it's playing video games, and even then, it's kind of tough to call that entirely a hobby because I steal so much from the game composers when I play, like when I make stuff. So, You're like doing research, it's, it's like passive research. But yeah, it's not. It's me playing video games. You know, yeah. Like, dude, um, you know, uh, I relate to that so hard. Uh, whenever I was telling you just uh, briefly a bit ago about like how I like having this huge stage show. Yeah. Um, last, last year. So 2019 uh, pre pandemic, me and my girlfriend went to Disney world for a week Nice. and I was spending so much of the time just analyzing everything from like a production standpoint. That like I was like I need to I just want to get lost in this Disney magic that everybody's talking about. And then right? you take it off your taxes. Yeah, but <laughs> I was just like, no, I can't. I'm just like, you know, how how is that projection work? How does that animal? You know, like the whole time my brain is just thinking like that. And then like the other night, uh, we're watching a show on Netflix, and uh, I had this idea for like like a song like an, a lyric idea for a song and it's like okay now i don't feel bad watching this because now i'm like watching this and i'm able to digest this in a way where maybe i can pull inspiration from it for something to be used later and like the brain just never turns off it's so hard for me to turn yeah, we gotta, off like when you're making stuff you gotta live too and however you want to live to absorb to be able to then put out mm-hmm. you know yeah. um I love watching shows, you know, I like watching movies. I like playing video games, mostly of an, mostly an indoor cat. Like, uh, you can call me domesticated cat. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Cause I'd be chilling at home, like as I should, it's a pandemic, but like, that's my natural state before and after. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I feel the same way most of the time, especially when I'm watching anything. I mean, like, Let's say the opening credits to something like Game of Thrones. I am literally just like every time like trying to pick apart the the orchestral arrangement, you know, like even though you're only hearing this theme, like it's these instruments playing it. And I'm like, yo, shut up and watch this show, dude. Like this is like this brain, stop doing that. Uh-huh. But at the same time, that's also how I work, you know? Yeah. Like, I, I, it's a, I didn't I didn't ask for my brain to work this way it just this is this is the how the biology of my whatever evolved and i've become this person so i'm happy i'm happy too uh i wish uh, there is a there's a quote by one of my favorite piano players his name is bill evans and i'm paraphrasing because i don't remember the exact quote but uh it was something like um like the quote was about being envious of the like of the lay person because they don't have this like experience and force thought and just hear something as, as fresh and brand new every time. Huge paraphrase. I might as well not have said that that was a quote, but like I will, if you need to get the actual quote because it's, it's dope. But the idea to me was just, I am envious of the person who listens to something like my own music or like anyone's music. And it's just like listening, yeah. you know, 
versus me who is who can't he- listen to music anymore as nothing because I know things mm-hmm. and like to know things. I just wish I had that child's brain sometimes and I could just go yeah. into a room or go into a concert and like not think, damn. How does he play that fast? Like, maybe he was practicing these kind of like these yeah. finger patterns and like, oh, listen to that guy's tone, really airy. I wonder what kind of read he uses. Like, not <laughs> that it'll never stop. Yeah. You, you've seen how the nuggets were made now. Now you're just always thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that being behind the curtain, I feel like it definitely changes everything. Sometimes it's cool because it'll change things for the better and you'll learn to appreciate things that you didn't appreciate before. Yeah. Which is really rad, you know. Heartfelt agreement here. And uh but also it can make some things that you loved not so great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. So, you know, we'll, we'll, I know too much. Yeah, you know, like sucks. you know, uh you know, I I after, you know, thinking a lot about songwriting and intent and songwriting and recording and how hard it is to record, you know, small intimate sounds. I've developed this immense love for Bjork mm-hmm. as a, as in my late teens. And then, yeah. you know, I maybe lost my love for Mudvayne. <laughs> <laughs> I lost Mudvayne, got Bjork. I'm not mad about the trade, but both like- things that I was very passionate about at one point in time in my life. Yeah, I I feel that way sometimes about um and I I feel bad about feeling this way, but I've got like for how much my music could be categorically prog, like the noodliness of prog is like not my game. I'm with and you 100%. Neither is like really any sort of like virtuosic like playing just to just to like play to show off. Like when something I need what you're playing to move me. And if you have not done that, then you have not in my mind done your job. And that sounds harsher than it is because like, I will still listen and appreciate artists, but like I am no longer moved by something just because it's impressive. That, that really ties into what I was talking about earlier with being a selfish performer. I think that, Sometimes, especially in the prog genre, it's not uncommon to come across acts that I feel that are just selfish in the way that they compose music. And I've said this a lot and I've gotten a lot of flack from my friends about this, but like Between the Berry to Me, I think has become way too selfish of a band. I don't know if you are a fan um, of that band. Was when I was younger. Yeah. Uh, I know they are still making dope music, but I have not listened recently. Yeah, I mean, probably should get back into it. They're very talented. Don't get me wrong. You know, they're they're very, very good at what they do. But I feel like the purpose and the intent has changed. And I don't know if it's a thing where like, fuck, you know, you write this one really cool technical piece of music. And then it's like, now you've developed an expectation, right? So it's like, okay, well, how do we keep pushing this? Like we're talking about pushing those boundaries and how do we push this further, right? And I'm sure that's all they're trying to do in a lot of ways is how do you push this further? But when you already start at like such a far place, it's, I don't know. They lost yeah, me like a while going ago. going to the stratosphere from yeah, there. Yeah, they, they lost me a while ago. But I hey, they're still very successful and I'm sure they're very nice human beings. So I'm glad that they yeah, are no, out there no killing actual it. actual flack for yeah. Bring Me the... Or uh, Between the Buried and Me. Yeah. In fact, I started to think about Bring Me the Horizon because I feel like they did the opposite. I was just going to say, that's a band that did the <laughs> complete flip. But yeah, where they just like went all the way like fan service almost. But at the same time, they're one of the most talked about bands in the world, not just like in their niche. So like... They have reached people, yeah. and like uh, some people, it like some older fans will not be into it, and that's kind of okay. You, you know, just came into the music for different reasons. It's really cool to see a band like Bring, Bring Me the Horizon because we rarely get to see this. And what I mean by this is a band that continuously defines and sets the standard for the genre yeah. because a lot of the time these bands burn out. And or they die like quite literally, you know, like imagine what like a Nirvana would have been if Kurt would have 
you know, if you would have lived, if yeah, you would have yeah. lived. I mean, but I'm, it's like you know, with I think Brit- there are like whole college courses based off of the process. <laughs> so it's like you know, it's cool to see at least with Bring Me the Horizon to get to see a band that is continuing to grow through the course of a decade into another decade and keep reinventing themselves. And as they're reinventing themselves, they're like honestly like resetting what the expectation for the genre is going to be for the next two to three years and they just keep doing it i'm not i haven't been a fan of everything that they've put out but massive respect for them 100 exactly yeah. no yeah i feel you 100 percent. like even if i'm not always a fan it's just massive respect for because there's an amount of courage that it takes but also an amount of sellout and i like that difference like that like balance that a band might have to go through and it seems like bring me the horizon is doing it well like, yeah they've they've never put out anything mm-hmm. it's like sure they've done stuff that sounds like pop music but it mm-hmm. sounds genuine you yep. know it's not like oh we're just doing this to do it it's because they want to do it and the reason why they continue to be successful is because if you're putting out music that isn't genuine people are going to see right through it you know they will they will know it's really easy these days, especially with everybody being on social media 24 seven to tell if artists are genuine because all of these bands are like, you know, everybody feels like they're friends with these bands because everybody has their own little social media accounts and their own little vlogs and all their own little things that they're doing. And it's very, uh, it's cool. It's cool to see that band continue to grow for sure. Yeah. Um, I guess an example from this, from the jazz realm, I, I'm a big fan of the pianist Robert Glasper and have been a big fan of his since I was really young, like in high school. And his music to start was really like, you could always tell that he had the elements that were like Detroit hip hop and like, and so Dillo was big and, uh, and Tribe Called Quest was big in, in his world. And that came through in his playing and music. But as over time, he came from like being a jazz trio pianist into like, like redefining a genre of R- like R&B meets jazz and neo soul where he would have these features and, and really just like lay out of what's happening and, and in a way simplify, but also in a way like make denser the concept of like him, like his sound became so like resolute and itself. And I enjoyed understanding that process through his records. And like, he continues in a way to innovate and in a way to also like kind of fall off in a sense, because he's no longer like this same prodigal piano player that he might've been when he was younger, but at the same time, he's changed music forever. And that transformation had come out of like some sort of simplification in a bring me the rise and kind of sense. But like, I don't know, I enjoyed watching and understanding and am a fan of both ends of this from like him being a jazz trio pianist to him having what is called the Robert Glasper experiment where they started to play around a lot more with like fusion with R and B and hip hop and to him fully producing records like uh, to pimp a butterfly. Mm-hmm. Well, he wasn't the only producer, but he's, he was like among them. So yeah, I think that it's only natural, you know, for I think your interests, especially when, you know, you're not just like a casual musician. Like if you're somebody that is thinking 24-7 about like different compositions and ideas and things like that, like it's going to change over time because like we, our personalities and everything that we're into just is always evolving. So um, I think that if you have any sort of genuine interest in wanting to always grow and be better and do different things, it's going to kind of be, it's going to go into some sort of a full circle, right? Where eventually you're going to cross back with maybe your roots where you started and maybe a simpler sort of a thing. But you also have all of the knowledge that you learned while you were on that journey of that circle and it's impossible to like forget that. So like you're approaching it a little differently, but you continue to move. I don't know. I've never thought about it being a circle before. So my explanation of that is a little sloppy, but I feel like it makes sense. I I understand where you're coming from. (laughs) The circle maybe, but also like I'm not 
geometry doesn't matter to me. <laughs> Concept was real. Yeah. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. With, you know, your time spent on, you know, just putting out this one track, you know, you said it, it took a, a few months to get it together and that's super duper understandable. Pandemic, adults, scheduling, everybody yep. that's in your band is in 17 other projects. You have other projects. It's do. not easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not easy. So, you know, what is the next thing? What do you got in the pipeline? Anything planned? You know, this whole motivated creator in this new century you always got to be working on content content where's yeah. the content um what's the next content is both slow and steady and fast like i figured out in my hannah montana sense <laughs> um I, that's like my only analogy I don't Fair know. Enough. <laughs> like freaky friday something like something where where one person well clark kent superman. i was gonna say superman but arm. i was like yeah <laughs> I thought Hannah Montana before Superman. I would definitely. I prefer Hannah Montana for sure. Um, but yeah, so I I produce and create works on my own much faster than making works with several different people that requires a separate producer, engineer, yeah, mixing like all that kind of stuff. Versus like I can honestly like there's certain things that while i'm not particularly proud of the mix or the master like i can make and build an entire track in a day like in a couple in a few hours you know and that's something that i'm trying to work with someone else to like kind of like as a consultant on how i can better myself as like mixing and mastering for my own like tracks and my own production while i slowly and steadily work on music for this mm. band and like record this band at a level that it should be recorded at. Because the reason this takes longer is because the, that track had like 200 tracks in it. Like I believe it. It was, it was a stupid amount of recording. Like, and it didn't, it wasn't like a long process of recording. The whole recording process itself was three days, but like everything before and after that was, work and, and time and, and pressure on myself to release it correctly and, and all that kind of stuff versus anything I make for myself by myself, I just feel a lot chiller about and I feel like I can almost like allow the mistakes to happen and let them be like real. Like, hey, I'm also just like trying to figure this out while during this pandemic. So yeah, making work that feels more honest and more polished, but like on different timelines. Yeah, no, I think that that's great that you have that that capability and the drive to continue to work on stuff and the patience i think patience is a really really important quality for a creator and it's something that um it seems like a lot of people have forgotten about the concept of patience these days with everything needing to be i need it now and i need it fast and i need it in 4k <laughs> you yeah, know just very real fancy yeah you you seem to be you know, very much not a, a a 4K individual. And what I mean by that is you seem very chill. I mean, you can see it right here, though, but... <laughs> <laughs> you seem, you seem, I am seem, currently not in 4K. You seem super chill, super laid back. And I think that that's, you know, a very, very... I, I admire that quality. You, you I, don't, I don't know if, like, maybe it's just right now you're chill in interview mode and maybe you're high-strung at other times. I'm just always, like freaking out i don't know what that's about maybe i drink too much coffee um i feel like i probably also drink too much coffee uh but my eyelids are like permanently glued down so maybe that's why i'm chill like i actually found out recently my girlfriend told me i had big eyes so okay <laughs> i didn't know i had big eyes because my eyes are always kind of like little slits so <laughs> yeah um as in like i might appear chiller than i am but fair enough i'm also in chill interview mode like i'm in my hoodie like in my bedroom about to piss my pants because i've drank too much water uh-oh <laughs> well lucky for you we are about to wrap because we we have we have surpassed our hour so we have Woo! plenty plenty of great content so before i wrap things up let everybody know where they can find that track where they can follow you and anything else you might want them to know social security number date of birth things like that 
Um, my social security number is these nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Tight. Um, you can find me on almost every platform. It's at F three R A L C A T feral cat with a three instead of an E. Um, except on TikTok where I'm Pharrell cat, which is P H like it's a three, but like it's Pharrell instead of feral because someone took feral cat and I was a little mad. Um, I have a website, feralcat.com spelled the same way with the three. So most of it, you can find that way. Uh, the track itself, all the platforms we're talking Spotify, we're talking Apple music, we're talking Twitch, which is new to me. Um, TikTok, et cetera, the works, um, you can also, if you'd like to purchase it directly from me, it's available on the website. You can purchase it on Bandcamp on one of these Bandcamp days, uh, so that I get more money. Although at the same time, I'm not groveling for that Bandcamp though. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, find me on Feral Cat, all the socials. Twitter is usually where I'm most active. And if you happen to like something of mine or enjoy the music or just want to talk about i don't know i like sandwiches and video games mostly video games so talk to me about those i know more about that than sandwiches (laughs) word well that is all folks thanks so much for being here one more time feral cat thank you i'll be back again next week same time, same place, same channel. You know the drill. My name is Sykes. Start the beat 2021. Woo, woo. Thanks for listening. And we're done. That's a podcast. Nice. We made it happen. We did the thing. We talked.